Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. With the Texas legislature wrapping up soon, and with all kinds of crazy things going on in Washington, D.C. and other states around our country, I thought it was a good time for us to take a look at biblical principles of government. So on this week's episode 130 of the Liberty Cafe, that's what we're going to do. We're going into part two of looking at 21 principles from the Bible on civil government. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to the Liberty Cafe. It's a blessing to have you here with me, as it always is. And it's also a blessing to be sponsored by Texas Scorecard. Great group of folks over there fighting for our liberty and yours, and and letting us all know what the government is doing to try and take away our liberty and just overall the corruption that is in a lot of our government today. So we're going over to Texas Scorecard and, and, and see what they're talking about and how you can get involved in the fight for liberty. So yesterday when we looked at the, the, the first five of the 21 principles, the, the main focus was on the rulers, the, the people in authority over us. And, and, and the basic premise was that First of all, government is a good thing. It's not a necessary evil. It's a good thing. God gave it to us to help us deal with our own sinfulness. And then there was also the fact that we, as people and citizens, have are in a place that we need to honor and acknowledge the majesty of rulers. And because God has ordained them, to be servants for our good, and to terrors uh, to those who do bad. Yet there are limits on those things. The, the majesty and honor that is in those offices is in the offices. It's not in the people. And so rulers are to humble themselves before their people, not put themselves up above, and seek to serve God because their authority is not inherent in themselves, and it doesn't end with them. It, it is all from God, and that's who they have to obey. So that's kind of a summary of what we talked about yesterday. And then we also talked about this, and I just want to read this. I'm going to read this for each of our four lessons here as we go through these 21 principles. It's a quote from Abraham Kuyper, and it's something we all need to remember. In any successful attack on the freedom, the state can only be an accomplice. The chief culprit is a citizen who forgets his duty, wastes away his strength in sleep of sin and sensual pleasure, and so loses the power of his own initiative. So we we must always remember that when we are judging our governors, our rulers, as a lot of us will be here in Texas when the Texas legislature ends on Monday, Memorial Day, we need to start with the fact that God is God, and we have need to obey and follow his rules, and we judge by his rules. But we also need to judge by the fact that if our rulers are messing up, it's largely because we're the people who put those rulers in office, and we have elected people who reflect what we want. And even those of us who would call ourselves conservatives or inter-Christians and libertarians, that types of things, we... we take things from the government, and we take advantage of the government in ways perhaps we shouldn't have. So we need to look at that as well. All right, so let's get to the uh, next five. I think it's going to be five today. 
or maybe a six. I'm not sure, but we'll get there in just a minute. Yeah, I think it's going to be six today. So uh, this is um, principle number five. I'm sorry, principle number six. Tyrants love moral corruption and hate virtuous men. As Chesterton once put it, free love is the first and most obvious bribe to offer a slave. And so, and here's the Bible verse that goes along with it, one of them anyway. This is Revelation 2.14. But I have few things against thee. And this is Jesus speaking to one of the churches, one of the seven churches that he wrote, the, wrote his letters to at the beginning of Revelation. But I have a few things against you because you have there, you have there among you those that hold to the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to, to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So a, a culture and a society and a people who fall into this lust and, and sexual revelry and those types of things, uh, drunkenness, other types of lying and cheating, those types of immorality, are just feeding the monster of big government. We can't overcome big government when we are leading lives and living lives like that. As um, Pastor Wilson puts it, porn is therefore politics, and it reveals your true political allegiances. And if we're if we're trapped in these types of things, either as individuals or society, we're not going to be overcome uh, the the wickedness of government, uh, of those in government who are not obeying God either. We have to take care of ourselves first. All right, the next rule: absolute perfection in our rulers is not the point. And this is a hard one because we all understand that people aren't around us who are not perfect. But when we look at our elected officials, it's really easy to get upset at them when they make bad decisions and exhibit errors in judgment. And, and it's okay to call them out at one level and point, or point out that, but we, we do need to have some patience with that because, one, we're not perfect. And, of course, God also had patience with that. Um, one Bible verse on this is Psalm 51:11. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Of course, Psalm 51 is the uh, famous prayer of David after he had been outed, if you will, by Nathan the prophet. Of course, God already knew this, and David did too, that he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and then put her husband... Uriah in a place where he would be killed in battle. So essentially, adultery and murder was what David was guilty of. And, and so when David asked God, this is his prayer of confession, when David asked God, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me, Pastor Wilson points out, and I think he's right, that David's not praying that, that God would banish him from the kingdom of God, that he would take his Holy Spirit away from him and therefore he wouldn't be saved. No, he, he's, he's praying that just like when his predecessor Saul disobeyed God and God took the Holy Spirit away from him, which meant he took away the ability to rule Israel 
Saul had forfeited his right to rule uh, to Israel, and David had just done the same thing. Di- different sin, but still the same. It still had forfeited his rule. So he was praying to God, saying, "Don't take this away from me. If it is your will, don't take the spirit. Let me to continue to rule your people." Because apparently, unlike Saul, David had a true heart for God. He knew he was wrong, and he was repentant of that. And God let him stay. So God allows for imperfection in in the rulers, and so would so should we. Today, uh, I just read the, the Supreme Court of the United States just came out with an opinion that was, is a great opinion. It radically reshapes the waters of the United States rule under the, uh, the, uh, the, the, waters, the Clean Water Act that was passed by the uh, Congress years ago. And the EPA has just applied this law in ways so that for instance, if you got a little wet spot on your land, you can't plow it or fill it with dirt without risk of going to jail. And this one family wanted to build a house on a little little wet lower spot, and they just wanted to fill it with dirt and then build a house on it. And the EPA said, no, you can't do that because that little wet spot on your land is waters of the United States. And the uh, Supreme Court just came out today and said, no, it's not. And they put a really firm rule in place so that waters of the United States is actually waters of the United States. It, it can be a river or maybe even a navigable stream and wetlands, but those wetlands have to be indistinguishable. You, know, you can have wetlands along the side. There has to be water on the surface from the river or the stream or the lake to the wetlands. If not, those wetlands are no longer going to be waters of the United States. And this is a really good rule but a really good ruling, but uh, Brett Kavanaugh voted against it, right? He, 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 he thought that rule, he voted against that uh, strict rule, and he thought that was a bad rule, but he's wrong. And I was thinking about this in that context, and so was this wrong? Yes. Has Brett Kavanaugh put out a lot of other wrong rulings? Yes, he has. But you know what? He voted to give to to take away this so-called right to abortion in the um, penumbras of the Constitution. So I'm going to give him a break today and, and be grateful that a lot of babies aren't being murdered uh, because of Brett Kavanaugh, even though he was wrong on this particular one. All right, so let's move on to um, rule number eight, principle number eight. Tyranny is a judgment from God for the sins of the people. Let's look at a passage on that. This is 1 Samuel 8, 11. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. And then he goes on to talk about how the king will take. He's going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters. He's going to get ready for this. He's going to take 10% of your property, of your income and taxes. Wow. If we only had it so good. But basically... God was, or Samuel was talking, well, actually I think it was Samuel talking to the people, but repeating what God had told him. He's saying, if if you want a king like the nations around you, which is what Israel's demanded, instead of me as a king, and a king like David, who was coming along shortly thereafter, who is a man after my own heart, I'm going to give him to you. But 
you're going to get tyranny out of that. And the reason you're going to get tyranny is it because you don't want me as a king. And so when we look at tyranny in our land today, I think it's pretty clear as a people, not everybody, but as a people, we, we're getting all the tyranny that we deserve, maybe even more, because we have turned away as a culture from God and wanting God to rule over us. And so when we're looking at the Texas legislature, we need to take that into consideration. Now, that doesn't mean that a lot of members of the Texas legislature and others in those high offices aren't doing somewhat the same thing in certain ways. And so we need to look at that, too. But we always have to turn back and see where are we as a culture and individuals in our worship of God. Maybe we're getting what we're deserving. Uh, Principle number nine. Every manner of civil government is under the authority of God. And I just can't stress this enough. We talked about yesterday about the, the heart of a ruler is the law of God. And it, 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 this, the same thing goes here. Let me give us, well, and, and what we have here is Romans 13. And Romans 13 is a famous passage about the um, civil authority and civil government and the the establishment of that and it makes very clear that rulers are deacons and the word is used deacons deacons are servants of god to rule as god wants them to they are servants for the good and they are to be terrors to the evil or the wicked right and so the only way they're going to know what is good or bad is on how to rule is they have to look for God to God in his authority. They don't have the last say God does. And of course that means they have to look at God's word. And we talked a little bit about yesterday about how some people would be calling that Christian nationalism, but it's not. It's simply a matter of fact, whether you want God's rule or somebody else's rule. And if you want anybody else's rule besides God rule, God's rule, you're going to get Satan's rule, essentially, the rule of fallen man, of evil man, and you're going to get tyranny. And then uh, here we go to principle number 10. Civil disobedience is required when matters of worship and the gospel are concerned. So this is pretty straightforward. Most of us Christians understand this, I think. For instance, and here's a passage but if it if not be it known unto you o king that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up as daniel 3:18 emphasized and then also acts 5:29 then peter and the other apostles answered and said we ought to obey god rather than man so in both cases these servants had been told not to worship god or not to speak about God, or not to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And very clearly, the the Bible is very clear on this, you just disobey in those areas. I mean, and it, it's not just optional, it's required of us. We have to go on worshiping God, we have to go on speaking about God, no matter what the government tells us. And then we'll get to the last uh, of our principles today, which is related, which is number 11, Civil disobedience is lawful in other areas as well. Now here is the case. We have uh, several um, situations where there were, there were apostles 
David, King David, uh, Peter, an apostle, and Paul, an apostle as well, disobeyed the authorities. Right. And so, for instance, David uh, honored Saul. Remember, if you might, that this is over in uh, 1 Samuel 24, where Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. David was in the cave. He snuck out. His, his people were urging him to kill Saul, but he didn't. He, he couldn't do that to one of God, to God's anointed king. Instead, he went out and cut off the corner of his robe. And then Saul left the cave, the cave and after he'd gone off a ways, David announced that he was in there and apologized for even cutting off the corner of his robe. But you know what? David didn't give himself up. Saul was seeking him. And wanted to kill him, and so he was an outlaw in the land, but David didn't give himself up, so he was still in rebellion against Saul, even though he was attempting to honor even though he was honoring him. same thing uh, Peter and the apostles we just read uh, were told not to go out and um, uh, talk about Jesus, and they did that, and then when Peter was arrested again. Uh, you, re, you may recall an angel came and let him out of jail. And the, I think, if, if I recall correctly, this is the last time we see Peter in the, uh, in, in the New Testament. And he leaves and goes off, maybe to Rome to become the first pope, as the Catholics would say. I'm not sure. But anyway, he leaves, but he doesn't go turn himself in, right? He, he walks out of jail and doesn't turn himself in, even though he's an outlaw. And then Paul does the same thing. In several instances, Paul is outlawed. They want to catch him, but rather than go turn himself in, he uh, resists and, and runs away and continues to do what he's doing. And, and so it's the same thing for us. Paul could have turned himself in, but he wasn't required to. And so when we see our government today uh, exercising tyranny, that gives us some room with which to work with and decide whether we're going to obey them or not. Now, there may be consequences for disobeying that we, we need to take into practical considerations, but obedience is not always required when the, particularly when the government is committing acts of tyranny. All right, so this is our second episode into looking at the 21 principles of civil government, and so that we can use these to judge the, the Texas legislature and other governments around us. We're going to do two more next week. I think we'll release on probably Wednesday and Thursday of next week. And then the week after that, we're going to start uh, maybe a week or two looking at the Texas legislature and see how they did. And I, and I hope that even those of you who don't live in Texas can continue to, to listen to this. And, and you might listen, learn some things, because I'm going to try and apply these principles about the Texas legislature to the Texas legislature generally, so it helps us look at governments of all levels and, and all locations. Well, thanks again for being here with me on the Liberty Cafe. Always a blessing to be here with you and have you listening in in this case, to our 130th episode, which is a really nice number. We've been at this uh, for almost, um, what would that be, a little, almost three years now, I think. And um, it's, it's just great, and thank you. And also, thanks again, once again, to Texas Scorecard, the sponsor of the Liberty Cafe. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. 
You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.